but I want to rejoice with you and thank you for worshiping with us at Hillside Baptist Church this morning. Any day we get to fill this bad boy up is a great day, y'all, and um, a testimony and witness to the saving power of Jesus Christ. So praise God for that. Um, I want to just add, uh, again, uh, just remind you, my name is Pastor Chad. I'm the pastor here along with Pastor Ron. We are Hillside Baptist Church, and um, we're just humbled by uh, being able to, to share this moment with you all. Thanks for all the friends and family of the of Baptist joining us this morning. Um, and, uh, and this morning, as we kind of celebrated a new life in Christ, um, I thought it would be good to just, to just kind of hit the pause button and, and reflect deeply on the gospel. What is it? What is it that brought these people into the waters of baptism this morning? That's what I want to talk about. As we talk about the gospel, the righteous for the unrighteous. Let me pray for us and we'll uh, continue here. Father in heaven, uh, Lord, we are um, again so humbled and grateful to be here, Lord. And let us never forget, Lord, whether we're hearing the gospel for the first time or whether we've heard it a thousand times, Lord, let us never cease to be amazed at grace. Lord, that you came down, uh, he who was without sin became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is amazing grace. And so, Lord, I just pray that now you would open our eyes, open our hearts to hear, Lord, once again, that old, old story of Jesus and his love. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the back of the pew in front of you. Um, and if you don't have a Bible at home, you can take that home with you. That's our gift to you. Okay, so we're going to remind ourselves of the gospel, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the power of God, Paul says, for salvation. It's what brought these people here to be baptized this morning. And it's what I pray will happen is, uh, is what will bring more people in the near future to enter into these waters and to say, you know what, um, I'm following Jesus. My old self is dying with Christ. Jesus is raising new spiritual life in me. I'm a new person in Christ, and now I'm going to live for Jesus. That's what it's about, and that's why we're here, the gospel. And so we're going to talk about it this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. So if you're able and willing, let me invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's words. And we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. It says this, Therefore, Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves again to you, to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this. That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this 
is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of God, you may be seated. All right, so we're going to look at this passage this morning under four headings. Number one, Christ died so we could die and live. Christ died so we could die and live. Number two, Christ died so we could see the world differently. Christ died so we could see the world differently. Number three, Christ died to make us new. Christ died to make us through. Number, number four, Christ died to reconcile us to God. Christ died to reconcile us to God. So first, let's see here how Christ died so that we can die and live. In verse 14 there, it says, The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Okay, so the first thing that I would just want to comment here is what Paul says there. Um, again, in, um, uh, earlier in verse 11, he says, Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So Paul was in the ministry of persuasion, right? Uh, as, as Christians, right, uh, we understand and know that uh, Jesus Christ is Lord and that forgiveness of sins is only found through Christ. And so the aim of our Christian mission is to persuade others. If, you, if, um, if I knew that I had to cure the cancer uh, and people didn't believe me, I would try to persuade them that it's real. Well, we have the cure for sin, death, hell, and the grave. Why wouldn't I try to persuade you to receive it, to believe it, to trust in it? And he says there that the, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So one of the motivations in Christian persuasion and in sharing the gospel with others is because we know that there is a God, that all have been created by him, and therefore everyone will have to give an account to him one day for the life that he gave us. And so in view of the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Okay, but that's not the only motivation. He also says, in verse 14 there, that the love of Christ controls us. So that's the second motivation of persuasion. The love of Christ controls us because we have been gripped by the love of God through Jesus Christ who did not withhold his one and only son that we might be forgiven of our sins and brought into eternal life with him. All right, We are gripped by the love of God through Jesus Christ, that love that has entered into the believer's heart and has changed us and has transformed us and has made us new. And that love that we've experienced from God, we want other people to know the life-changing, soul-saving uh, transforming power of the love of God, the love of Christ controls us. And the centerpiece of that love is that Christ died so that we could die and live. Christ died so that we could die and live. Now that's a weird way to put it. Uh, but the point is that we can't really live until our, until our old self dies. We can't really live until our old self dies. That's why he says... One has, died for, uh, one has died for all, therefore all have died. What's he saying? He's saying that uh, in Christ, if we are in Christ, all right, uh, in Christ we not just live, we also die. Being buried with Christ and raised to walk in the newness of life. To live with, to, for, for a new self to live with Christ, your old self has to die. That's the hard part. 
That's the painful part, right? That's the part that, that, that makes it difficult because we don't want to give it up. But Jesus is saying, look, if you want life, real life, full life, meaningful life, forgiven life, eternal life, then yes, something has to die. But it's worth it. It's eternally worth it. There is no life greater than living for someone greater than yourself. Living for the one who knows you, who made you, who created you. And so if you've yet to surrender to Christ this morning, the first thing I want you to know is that Christ died so that you could die and live. Number two, Christ died so that we could see the world differently. Christ died so that we could see the world differently. Verse, uh, verse 16 there. Uh, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once, regarded Christ, uh, we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Okay, so to regard according to the flesh simply means that we, we are concerned primarily with the externals when it comes to the way we think about Christ or when we think about people. Right? In the book of Corinthians, if you read it there in the context, uh, they're, they're challenging and they're questioning his legitimacy as an apostle and his authority as an apostle. And there were some others, uh, there were some other people at that time who seemed, um, you know, maybe they were more eloquent than Paul. Maybe they were more charismatic than Paul. Maybe they just looked better than Paul. All right? And so, and so, the, and, and so the, the Corinthians, you know, were kind of unimpressed with Paul compared to these other people. All right? And Paul is saying, look, guys, you know, it, first of all, it's not about me. And second of all, your, your whole, your value system is wrong because you're, you're looking at things the wrong way because God doesn't care about the externals nearly as much as he cares about the internals. But that's the problem with human nature, right? This is what we naturally do. The natural state of the fallen human mind is to focus on what we can see with our eyes. That's what we do. That's reality, right? We look at somebody. When you look at somebody, we see the color of the sk- their skin, the kind of clothes that they're wearing. We might make judgments on someone based on how much money we think they might have or the kind of car they drive or the home they live in or what kind of education they have or how well they speak or in some cases how well they play ball or you know especially how attractive they are and we look at somebody and we see the externals and we can be tempted to just say well you know I got I know who they are because I can see but that's not but that misses the whole point right right that that if God looked at us and all he saw was the was the external, we'd be in a big, we'd be in a big mess. All right? If all God looked at was what we did and what we said and how we acted, we'd be in a big mess. But what, but one of the reasons Christ died is he died so that we could, we can have a changed way that we look at the world. We can see other people differently because God sees us differently through Jesus Christ. Right? We can look at someone and not see like, just how they're dressed or maybe tattoos or piercing or whatever, but we can look at someone and say, that person is an image bearer of God Almighty. All right? And we can see them differently. We can see them the way God sees them. You know, what's interesting is that uh, the Bible itself says that Jesus was nothing special to look at. In Isaiah chapter 52, verse 3, it says that he had no form or majesty, that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. That's interesting, right? That Jesus, from a human perspective, uh, was probably about as average as they come. All right? And so when you look at Jesus, 
All right, when they looked at Jesus, when the religious leaders looked at Jesus during his own lifetime, they really didn't see anything special, okay? But it, it was, was Jesus' ordinary externals that veiled the internal glory of the eternal Son of God. In other words, he was more than what meets the eye. And that's true of everybody. Through Jesus, we learn to see the world differently because through Jesus, God sees us differently, right? He, did, he could have just saw the big mess uh, that my life was, that your life was, and just left it at that. But he didn't. He, 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 he came to, to deal with the mess, to fix the mess, right? right? So, so it's, it's a call for us to see life differently, you know? You know, oftentimes in church, right, we put on a nice facade and, you know, and we try to look like we got, we got it together. But, you know, the truth is, and we all know this too, but from my experience, right, many of the people who look the most put together, man, they're falling apart just like everybody else. We all have a problem, the sin problem, and we all need Jesus. And so if you don't know Christ yet today, what I want you to know is that, look, Christ already sees who you are. Christ knows who you are better than you do. He's, you know, half the time we can't even, we, we don't, half the time we don't even know ourselves. We don't know who we are or why we feel the way we do or why we think the way we think. Look, Jesus knows. Christ sees you and knows you at your best and at your worst. And knowing all that, he still died for us. He died so that we could see differently too. Number two, Christ died so that we could see the world differently. Number three, number three, Christ died to make us new. Christ died to make us new. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Right? We can see, we can see the world differently in Christ because in Christ we are made New. Paul says that the Christian is a new creation. He's a new creature, right? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We just said earlier, look, something ha- your old you has to die before the new you can live, right? The old has, passed, has to pass away before the new can come, right? We need, and of course what this means is that the fundamental solution to the human problem is that we need to be made new. So this touches on the this, this sensitive and the tender spot of human nature. That is that deep down we all know that we aren't as we're supposed to be. Right? Deep down we all know that we aren't as we're supposed to be. Right? Um, we all know things that we should do and we don't do them. Why? We all know that there are things that we uh, 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 should do and don't do them and sh- shouldn't do and should do th- uh, do them. We do know we we know that uh, we know that there are feelings that we shouldn't feel and we still feel them. We know there are thoughts that we shouldn't think and we still think them. Right. So even by our own judgment, even by our own estimation of ourselves, we fall short of who we should be. Well, how much further far do we fall short of the glory of God? And that's what sin is. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is, this is the broken human nature. And, and here's the rub, right? The rub is this. We can't fix ourselves. It just can't happen, right? 
It just doesn't, we, we can't fix ourselves. What, the, the, the solution to broken me and broken you is somebody who actually has the ability to fix me and you to come in and do it. And that's what happens when God makes us new through Jesus Christ. You know that woman at the well, right, uh, that, that where Jesus met her at the well? It, it's a parable, right? Of, it's, a, it's an enacted parable of um, uh, her, her coming to the well for water is, a, is kind of a symbol of her internal thirst for something that she couldn't satisfy with five different men. And yet Jesus shows up and, and he says, you know what? I got something that if you have it, you'll never thirst again. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, look, you've been looking everywhere to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul, and you still haven't found it yet. And me right here, Jesus Christ, I have something that you can receive that will satisfy your soul forever. What was he talking about? Well, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Because what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, when we turn from our sins and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit enters us, and Jesus says it becomes a well of living water springing up to eternal life. The Holy Spirit comes up, and only he can fill those holes in our heart that nothing else can. And he begins to change us, right? The Spirit gives us new thoughts, new feelings, new desires, new eyes. The Spirit makes us new, right? That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit, right? It is not in Christ. Uh, it is not uh, that he who is in Christ will be a new creature. It is that he who is in Christ is a new creature. That's what Paul says. It's, so Christianity then is not, um, uh, you know, Christianity is not try to make yourself new, all right, and then, and then God will help you out. Christianity is come to Jesus with all your mess, and then God will make you new and clean you up. Because what does he says in verse 18? All this is from God, right? It's not from us. It's from God. It's a work and the gift of God when you trust and surrender to him, right? So, so Jesus isn't waiting on you to clean yourself up. He's just waiting on you to realize how much you need him to clean you up. And he's standing there with open arms, right? To make you new. And that's what we're celebrating today, right? We're, what we celebrated today was not that a, a few new people decided to start coming to church. What we're celebrating today is not a few more people decided to read their Bibles and pray a few times a week. What we're celebrating today is that God has supernaturally reached down from heaven, taken out hearts of stone and put in hearts of flesh and made people new. That's what it means to be a Christian. And that's what Christ died to do, to make us new. And then finally, number four here, Christ died to reconcile us to God. Christ died to reconcile us to God. In verse 19, it says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And then in verse 21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the radical core of what Jesus Christ came to do 2,000 years ago, what he died on the cruel death on the Roman cross for, what he victoriously rose from the dead on the third day for, 
was to reconcile us to God. To reconcile us to God, right? So the problem of humanity, the problem of humanity, the problem that was so great that it took the death of the Son of God Almighty to fix it is the problem of our broken relationship with God through our sin. Sin kills. It kills your soul. It kills your relationships. All right, that's how sin works, right? Not just with people, but also with God. When you sin against someone, that relationship is broken. It's not the same. And the only way that relationship can be restored is if you ask for forgiveness. And you turn from that sin, and you try to make it right. And then and forgiveness and reconciliation then happens, okay? That's how a broken relationship is, is fixed, right? But our greatest problem, right, is not our broken relationships with people out here. Our greatest problem is our broken relationship with the God of the universe. If you get one relationship right, it better be that one. Our relationship with the God of the universe. And get this, even though we were the ones that sinned against him, God was the one who initiated the reconciliation. He's the one who who came to make it right. And the way he did that was through Christ, who, in verse 21, says that for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, uh, Jesus was the only sinful person, (laughs) the only sinless person who ever lived. All right, And because Jesus was the only sinless person that ever lived, that enabled him to do what no one else could possibly do, and that is pay for the sins of others. So 2,000 years ago on the cross, Jesus, the perfectly righteous one, gave up his righteousness. He became sin who knew no sin. That's what Jesus did for us. He became sin who knew no sin. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what happens when a person turns from their sin and trusts in Christ? At that moment, God sees them through the lens of Christ. And it is if that, that God, their, all their sin was on Christ the moment that he died. And, and that penalty, that sin debt, the wrath of God that your sin and my sin deserves was paid by by Christ on the cross, and that his perfect righteousness, the only perfect life that ever lived, now gets accredited freely as a gift to our account so that we can stand before God as righteous, not because we are righteous, but because we've trusted and put everything in the righteous one. And that's how we stand right before God. It's a gift. You can't earn your salvation. You can't do enough good to make yourself right with God. When you break the law, you can't go back in time and, 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 and then unbreak it. No matter how much good things you pile on top of your sin, there's still sin down there at the bottom. And until that sin is taken away, we can never be right with God. And Jesus jumps in there and dives into that mess and pays, atones for the penalty, takes the penalty of our sin so that God can punish sin and forgive the sinner. Which is what he's done through Jesus Christ. Christ died to reconcile us back to God. And what that means is that through Jesus Christ, you can have a living, abiding, personal relationship with the God of the universe. It means that you can get on your knees in your closet and talk to God Almighty and know that He hears you. 
It means that you can walk this life knowing that the one who created the seas and the stars is for you and not against you. There is nothing like being reconciled to God. And that's what Christ died for, to reconcile us to God. So the invitation this morning, and, and we're going to jump right in from the sermon to the, to, the, to the Lord's Supper this morning. But I do want to extend an invitation, and that invitation is this. Just, as, just what Christ did for these people this morning, including my, including my own two boys, Jesus Christ can do for you too. He can, he can take your sin and separate it as far from you as the east is from the west. He can enter into your heart by the Holy Spirit, and He can begin changing you and giving you new thoughts, new desires, new loves, new passions. He can make you new. It's a gift of God through Jesus Christ that you can receive today by turning from your sins and trusting in Him. If that's a decision that you want to make today, I pray you wouldn't leave this building until you talk to me, talk to Pastor Ron, talk to somebody, and tell them that you want to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. King Jesus, Lord, we were humbled this morning by what you have done for us. And maybe, God, you're, you're impressing on somebody's heart even now to trust you. I pray that they would just cry out right now in their hearts. Say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, change me. Lord, make me new. Lord, if they will, I know that you'll hear. For your glory, for your namesake, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.